How did you get to the point in life where you're at right now? Have you followed any dreams or passions in your life? I'm going to show you how it's done because I've seen you try to do it and it didn't work out for you. So I'm going to show you. I'm going to make it work out and shove it up your fucking ass. That's what I'm going to do. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the next episode of Joe Kelly's Psychedelic Experience. What's going on with you, my friend? Your whole pal Joe here checking in with you on a motherfucking Monday morning. How's it going? How's it hanging? Listen, I hope you are doing well. I hope you're doing better than you ever thought you possibly could be doing. And if you're not, hey, that's a-okay. But get your shit together. All right, ladies and gentlemen, get your fucking shit together, will you? We're already halfway through goddamn March. What the fuck have you been doing? Can you believe it, people? Can you believe it's already March 13th? Where the fuck does the time go? I feel like I was just welcoming you into March. And here we are already just about halfway through it. Don't be splitting hairs. I know we got two days before or like two and a half days technically for the fucking halfway point in goddamn March. But listen, it's going to be here in no time. So get your shit together, will you? What the fuck? How does time go by so quick? You remember when a day used to last forever and now they just fucking come and go so very quickly. Like your first summer vacation when you were a kid, when you first did a full year of school and then you had a summer vacation, the three months. Remember how long that lasted? It seemed like it was years. It seemed like it was summer forever. And then you get older and then you're in high school and then it's like summers just come and go. You know, they go by so quick and now, and now you don't even get a summer break, you know, now you don't get it anymore. Now you just fucking work and it's just any other day except it's hot and you don't even like it being hot anymore because you get sweaty and you're old and it sucks. (laughs) I think the point is, is cherish the days because they go by so goddamn quickly and we only have uh, so many left, you know what I mean? They come by so quick. There was something, I think it might be from a movie, but it was Eddie Murphy saying, and he's like, if you're lucky, you get to live to be 75. So if you break that down, that's 75 winters, 75 summers, 75 falls, 75 springs, and that really doesn't seem, dude, that's not a lot in the scheme of things, you know what I mean? That's very... It's actually very few. Like, I'm 35 now, right? So if I use that math, I got 40 summers left. I got 40 springs left, 40 falls left, and 39 winters left. That's, you know, that's if uh, that's if everything goes according to plan, I suppose. And that's on, you know, that's on the high end of things. But that's not a lot. That's really not a lot of time, you know? Anyway, (laughs) it's just fucking crazy when you put it into that perspective, you know, because you're like, if I don't know, just trying to even 40 years doesn't seem like a lot. But either way, it just goes by so quick. And uh, 
I think we need to uh, just appreciate a little bit more. Anyway, got some shows coming up, people. Got some shows coming up. Going to be in St. Louis this weekend, the 17th and the 18th, with my good buddy Aaron Weber. I'm opening for him at Helium Comedy Club. The 19th, I'm headlining the Funny Bone in St. Louis. I'll also be in Chattanooga on the 24th. Uh, I got some shows in Nashville, the 25th as well, ladies and gentlemen. Syracuse, New York, the 31st of March and the 1st of April. I'll also be in Lexington, Kentucky, opening for Aaron Weber, the 6th through the 8th I got uh, of April. And then I got uh, Austin, Texas next month, Napanee, Indiana in April. I'll also be in Lexington, Kentucky again in May. I'll be headlining uh, Pivot Brewing up there. The 19th, I'll be in Murray, Kentucky, Paducah. We got fucking, uh, what else? Knoxville in May. So much shit coming up, people. Got Boston coming up towards the end of the year. Uh, Seattle. I'll be back in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Couple other places, too. Make sure you go to joekellycomedy.com for all the upcoming dates and shows. All right? How was your weekend, my friend? What did you get into? Did you have some fun this weekend at all? You know? I was... uh, I don't know what the fuck's going on with that bank. I was I was I want to talk about the news a little bit. Some bank. I don't fucking know exactly what happened. Who the fuck knows, people? Who the fuck knows what's going on? A bank closed or did something or who the fuck gives a shit anyway? They're gonna bail them out and then we'll be fucked either way. <laughs> Business as usual. But I was in Lowell. I was in Lowell, Arkansas this weekend with uh, Aaron Weber. We had some great shows. Also brought a young a young buck out of uh, Nashville named Caleb McCraw. We had a good time this week, and we had a lot of fun. You know, it was just a quick weekend. It's like a about an eight hour drive from Nashville, so we got in Friday, did the show. Uh, the owner of the club owns a brewery across the street, so we went there, played some ping pong, met some people, pet a dog, dude. It was a great fucking time. Great fucking time. And then we did uh, two shows Saturday. That was fantastic. We went to a lunch spot. Listen, that was one of the best lunches I've ever had. Not because of the quality of the food, my friend. Not even because the flavor of the food. Not because of the company I was with. But because there were just uh, just butt cheeks, dude. Just butt cheeks as far as the eye can see. You know when you go to like Hooters, they got the orange shorts and the white tank tops. And then what's the other one? Twin Peaks where they dress up like a like the lumberjacks but real sexy like this place was like that except that I think they were wearing like cheerleading skirts so it was just and real short so oh it was just butts dude and who don't want that i don't even remember what i ate to be honest with it don't remember what i ordered i know what i wanted to eat but it wasn't on the menu all right <laughs> <laughs> but that was pretty good as you know we we're gonna go to a barbecue spot but the line was too long and i ain't in favor of waiting in lines all right i don't want to wait in line for nothing i don't and here's the thing about barbecue people i don't know the difference between good and great barbecue it all tastes pretty good to me all right and uh Waiting in line for 25 minutes for a, a, a sandwich just ain't my cup of tea. You know, I'd rather sit down, look at butt cheeks for 25 minutes, and then get a sandwich. You know, that's <laughs> that's more of my style. But what a pleasant surprise it was. Overall, great weekend. A lot of fun. 
good shows, great people, good times all around. Uh, I think people, I guess, I think the Walmart headquarters is close to Lowell. So uh, I've noticed people who have uh, like a million dollars in their bank seem to be in a pretty good mood most of the time. So just a little tidbit, you know what I mean? <laughs> they say money can't buy happiness, but I, you know, people who, the people I've encountered who got a lot of money, they might not be happy all the time, but they are in a good mood. So whatever that means, you know, I've seen some happy poor people too, but not as many, not as many, but, uh, you know, I don't fucking know. It was just a good weekend. Had some fun shows. That was it, man. It was great. I got no idea what to talk about on this podcast this morning, people. I really got no idea. I don't. I don't know what's going on in the news this weekend. I know something's going on with the bank. There was some baseball tournament this weekend. And other than that, I really don't know what's going on. So I figured we'd come on in here, check in, maybe talk about uh, how I started comedy, people. How did you get to the point in life where you're at right now? Have you followed any dreams or passions in your life? Or uh, or did you give up somewhere along the line? You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to be a dick when I say that, but... It's what it is. We all got something we want to do in life. And, uh, you know, maybe you have a kid young and uh, or you get married or you got to take care of your parents or some shit like that. But, uh, you know, I've ran into a few people who have uh, chased something that they were passionate about. Or maybe you're fine just going to a job. Maybe you don't need a passion. Maybe you don't need a dream. You know what I mean? We all need electrical workers and plumbers and shit like that. So that's all fine, too. But uh, comedy. How did I even start doing comedy, man? It was been years in the making. I do know that. It was at least 10 years in the fucking making. And I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this many times before. But the first time I kind of discovered stand-up comedy, I was maybe, I had to have been 14 or 15 years old. My parents had just gotten a divorce, and uh, I was at my dad's new house Friday night, couldn't go nowhere. My sister was driving at that point or had a boyfriend or some shit, so she was just kind of out doing her own thing. And uh, I remember just sitting in my new room just going, man, what the fuck just happened? What the fuck just happened? My whole life has just been flipped upside down. Now i am got living in two houses and splitting time between I'm spending one week at one house and one week at the other house. And then one week at one house and one week at the other house. My sister's not really around anymore. She's doing her own thing. It's like, what the fuck? Whole life just seemed to fucking flip just like that. Just fucking changed. And I'll never, I was sitting on that bed in my room on a Friday night and, uh, I can't, I, I wish I could remember the very first comic I saw, but I don't, I don't remember the first person I saw doing stand up. but the comedy central used to do Friday night stand up or whatever it was. I think it was called Friday night stand up. They used to show like three hours of comedy and then from like nine to midnight and then they'd replay it from midnight to three, basically six half hour specials. And I just remember just getting locked in one night and just going, this is the coolest shit 
I've ever seen. And that was before I was such a jaded prick when it came to comedy. And I just liked everybody and anybody, you know, like looking back, people go, who influenced you when, as far as comedy goes. And I got my little list of people that I usually say, it's like Mitch Hedberg, George Carlin, uh, Patrice O'Neill, you know, Dave Chappelle. Those are like my, my personal top four that have probably influenced me or people that I have enjoyed the most growing up or as I was getting into stand-up. But looking back, dude, I watched fucking everybody. Everybody had an influence on me before I became such a jaded prick, you know? Mitch Hedberg is still my favorite of all time, but it's like Tom Papa, Judy Gold, fucking uh, Mark Marin. I believe I watched his special. Carlos Mencia, uh, everybody, dude, everybody. Patrice had a had a fucking Friday night uh, a stand-up special. Earthquake, Bruce, Bruce, everybody, dude, every fucking buddy. I watched every single, I, every Friday I was watching that shit. My buddy Jack started watching it too. So like Monday when we get back to school, we go, oh, did you see this? Did you see that? And, uh. I just remember thinking this was the coolest shit I've ever seen. And it was like, it may, it, it took away from all that shit of like the confusion of bouncing back between houses and not knowing what the fuck happened to my life all of a sudden, you know, I knew my parents weren't, didn't get along, <laughs> but I didn't think I'd be living in two houses at that point And then not having my older sister around to, talk to or fucking you know have really had nobody it was just very lonely at that point in time in my life and uh dude comedy was just like this is the best thing i've ever seen in my life and i didn't i guess i really didn't know it was a thing like i had heard a stand-up and i knew what comedy was but i had never i had never really seen it and it just planted this seed with me that i just i absolutely fell in love with it and I remember thinking, I was like, man, that's something I'd like to do. I think I could do that. That'd be like the coolest shit to do ever is, is telling jokes to people and making them laugh. I thought that'd be the fucking greatest thing in the world, you know? But then you let it go and then you stop uh, thinking. Or, I, you know, it was always comedy became, you know, kind of important to me around then, I guess, watching it. But once I got a car, and started hanging out with some friends and shit. I definitely wasn't sitting at home every Friday watching Comedy Central Presents, you know. So time goes by, it comes and it goes, and then, you know, and then you graduate, and people are like, what do you want to do? And it's like, I don't fucking know. And no one tells you to start doing comedy or anything like that, and you're in Flint, so there's no open mic scene, and there's no one really doing comedy around there. So you decide to get into radio, because radio seemed like a thing where, uh, or at least with me, I was going to community college for a year and my second semester at community college, I was, I was just taking like elective bullshit stuff for the most part, you know, English and, and just trying to figure out, I was like trying to get some fucking path in life, I guess, and very little direction at all. But that second semester, I signed up for a radio class, which was great because it was on like Wednesdays at 6 37 in the evening you know it wasn't early but 
All my other classes, I ended up dropping the day before grades were due just because I didn't go to any of them because I was up all night playing online poker. <laughs> I was making a little money playing poker, so I'd just stay up till like 6.37 in the morning playing poker. And then my first class would be at 7.30 and I'm supposed to go to fucking English 10.5 or whatever it is. And it's like, nah, bro, I don't want to do that. Uh, so I just dropped all those classes. But my radio class I kept going to. And that was the first time they had like a little mock booth. I remember going, turning on the mic and like talking into it and doing like some radio shit or whatever it was, like an ad and going, okay, this might be like a step two this is kind of like comedy in a way. It's a little bit easier. I was a terribly shy person. I still am to a degree. But it was like this could be a way to kind of like talk or learn how to talk to people without them, without having to look at them and have them be around me. You know what I mean? So then I just leaned into that and then went to a broadcasting school and... uh graduated from there, started an internship at a radio station in Flint and uh, got hired in as a part-timer Then got fired pretty quickly afterwards. Not fired, but they said it was budget cuts, but I know what it was. And then uh, left Flint, moved to Utica, New York for about two months to do a morning show with a guy I was working with at a station there. He got fired. And then, <laughs> so I was just a glorified intern too. They weren't paying me. So then we went down to DC and that's when, and at this point, I'm 21 years old, I believe. I think I just turned 20, 22. And dude, I remember I was working for Greenpeace. I was doing like canvassing shit when I first got there. And uh, I wanted to get some weed. And I guess I had never smoked good weed before because I had a, a, a dude put me in touch with somebody and I got it because it was like at 60, 65 bucks for an eighth. And I was like, what the fuck is even do we were paying like in Flint before that with the brick? We were paying like 80, 85 for an ounce, some shit like that. You pay 40 bucks and get a half ounce. It was shitty weed, but, you know, got to D.C., Got this weed. It had orange hairs on it, right? And I remember smoking it and watching him, watching Killing Him Softly by Dave Chappelle. And it just, those two things together were like, man, I want to do this. I want to do stand-up. I don't know how you're supposed to start. I don't know where to start. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But it just, that seed got that seed was already planted, but it started to blossom in D.C. quite a bit. And uh, I'll never forget, like, I was really, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't even remember how this conversation came up. But I was with my roommate, who was a guy I had a lot of respect for, had a lot of admiration for. This guy that I was living with in D.C., he was a guy that I worked with at the radio station in Flint. But uh, he had a him and him and another dude had a had an afternoon radio show in Flint. They had a night show and an afternoon show, but they were on the air for like seven, eight years in Flint. And it was like my favorite radio show and my favorite radio station. So. When I started interning for them, I was like, oh, this is the best shit ever. Like, this is this was the dream for me. 
working at my favorite station, working for my favorite show. And then they got fired and I got hired in. And, uh, and then when I got fired, one, one of the dudes got the morning show in Utica and he was like, do you want to come with me? And I was like, dude, this is, you don't know how much this means to me. You know, I've been listening to you forever. I'm happy we got to work together and now we're going to do something together. That's pretty fucking cool. You know, had a lot of admiration for this guy, a lot of respect for him. And, uh, a lot of it went away. I will say that, unfortunately, you know, it's one of the things where you shouldn't, you know, people say you shouldn't meet your heroes or whatever it is. And maybe there's some truth to that, but, uh, I'll never forget. We were out, we're on the balcony one day. He was probably a bottle and a half of wine in, and I was smoking some, I was smoking a little bit of weed. I was smoking a bowl out there and he was just lecturing me about how I shouldn't smoke weed because weed's bad and weed's that. Meanwhile, he's pissed drunk in his 30s, living with a 21-year-old. You know what I mean? And I forget where the conversation was going. He just kept referencing other people that he met in life where he's like, weed ruined them, weed ruined them. And I'm like, I'm, I just was like, I'm not those people, you know? And at some point, he just go. He knew I was really getting interested in stand-up comedy. I think I was starting to like post jokes on Facebook, some shit like that. And I remember him being drunk and just looking at me, going, "You're not a stand-up comedian." And I was like, "Well, I know I'm not, but I had this feeling where I was like, okay, oh, I'm not. I'm gonna show you. I will be." Because he had tried stand-up here and there a few times. He had done some shows in Detroit and shit like that, but. That was, I'll never forget that moment on that balcony of him just being drunk and me being young and impressionable and really having, you know, a lot of admiration for this guy and, you know, rather than him going, hey, I see you're getting interested in stand-up. Here's, you know, here's, I'm not, obviously I'm not a stand-up comedian. Obviously I'm not a professional at it, but I've done it a few times and here's how I can help you or kind of like, you know, this is how you do it. This is where you go. You just go to open mics. None of that shit. Just looked at me drunk going, you're not a stand-up comedian. And that changed our relationship. That's, I decided, that moment, I decided I'm going to show you that I will be. And also, I'm not going to live with you anymore. You know? It was, it's just that one moment. That one, the weed shit, that's fine. You want to be drunk talking about how weed's bad for you, this, that, and the other. That's fine, you know. But the the it just was like, what the fuck, man? I know I'm not a stand-up comedian, but obviously you see that I'm getting in. But I don't also don't know what that has to do with smoking weed either, you know. And then the next day he came out on the balcony when I was smoking, go, hey, can I get a little bit of weed? And it was like, no, dude, you can't. You can't. It's bad for you, right, buddy? Ain't it fucking bad for you? Remember how bad it is for you? It's going to ruin your life if you smoke it. So, no, you can't have any. You can't fucking have any. It de- it changed our everything. It changed everything. It made me not like the guy anymore just because it's like, oh, dude, you're kind of a prick. You're kind of a prick. You're in your 30s. I'm very young, very impressionable, you know, fucking great deal of respect for you. And, and, you know, you talk to me like that. So I just remember that, that fucking switch going, okay, 
fuck you and I'm going to I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how it's done cuz I've seen you try to do it and it didn't work out for you. So I'm going to show you. I'm going to make it work out and shove it up your fucking ass. That's what I'm going to do. You know? And uh it took a while. It took a long time, man. It took a long time for me to get the nerve to go on stage. I, that's what I started writing jokes to or what I thought were jokes or bits. I just started writing shit. I just started writing shit and just writing shit in notebooks and typing shit. I wish I could. I, I have the old. I have an old, old laptop that I don't think will turn on. I think the screen's broken, but I would love to find a way to get into that to see that shit that I was writing back then. Cause I really don't have access to it just to see where the fuck I was at. But, uh, but yeah, I just started writing. And then one day I'd gotten the, I'd gotten the nerve to at least go to an open mic. You know, I was dating a girl at the time and she's like, well, let's just go, let's just go see what it's about. You know, and it's like, Oh, okay. I don't have to do it, but we can go see what it is. And it was just some Vietnamese restaurant. You know, there's no stage. There's just a microphone. And it's like, okay, this is an open mic. All right. You know, and we didn't stick, stick around that long. Maybe saw like four or five comics go up. And I go, okay, that's what an open mic is or whatever. So maybe like three weeks later, I went back by myself and I did my first open mic. You know, I just stared at my feet the whole time. I remember that rushed through the jokes. Don't remember if anybody laughed. I really don't remember anything about that set other than the fact that I was standing up at this Vietnamese restaurant while the sunlight was still out and going, this is what comedy is. Okay. But just absolutely terrified. Absolutely fucking terrified. You know, being in front of people was fucking, that was like the hardest part was getting used to being in front of people. Really? Really, that was the hardest fucking part for me, man, is it was just getting comfortable having people look at you and just be in front of people. It's a very vulnerable position, you know, especially at a fucking Vietnamese restaurant where you're not necessarily, you know, you're not set up for success. If you've been to a comedy show, you've probably been to a club or a theater or a venue, maybe like a brewery with a second room or something like that. But when you're going to like open mics and especially at like a restaurant where it's like, we're not even a bar can be a more of a bar vibe can be different because you can have like the open mic be the focal point of a bar night. But when it's, you know, when it's six 30 on a Wednesday at a Vietnamese restaurant, dude, people ain't there for comedy. People are there for the fuck. People are there for the fucking, uh, you know, the drunken noodles or whatever the fuck it is. They certainly weren't there for comedy. And I just, yeah, I just remember being terrified. And I remember when I got done. Well, I don't remember when I got done, but I remember leaving. I remember going back to my house afterwards, just being like, oh, dude, that's way too scary. I can't fucking do that shit. I can't fucking do that shit. It's way too fucking scary to be up in front of people like that. So that was the only open mic I did in D.C., and then uh, moved out to Maui with my lady friend, you know. And then things were great out there. And that's when that's when everything was great or seemed great. It was in paradise, a tropical paradise, you know. And uh, 
just decided and just thinking, I was like, man, I really, I think I want to, I think I really want to commit to doing stand up. I think that's the only way to do it is you just have to fucking go full out and go, this is what I'm doing. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I called my buddy in Nashville, who I also knew from the station in Flint. He was the promotions director. He's a good dude, man. Chad Barron. He did some comedy too. The difference between him and the other guy was Chad was like, oh, well, he was hosting an open mic. And he's like, come out and I'll introduce you to people and kind of show you how things work. You know, he's like, I'm not, I'm nobody. I'm like, not a comic, like barely, you know, I do it here and there and I do open mics, but he was like, I'll show you, you come out and I'll kind of introduce you to the fucking shit or whatever it is, you know, that's the difference. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And dude, I remember when I first moved to Nashville, I moved to Nashville, November, 2012. I started doing comedy like mid-December, but I can't tell you guys how many times before I before I started doing stand-up, before the first time I did it, before my real first time in Nashville, whatever it is, I can't tell you guys how many times I drove to an open mic, sat in the parking lot, and fucking left. At least half a dozen at least half a dozen, just feeling like a fucking coward, just sitting in the parking lot and, and and putting my car in park, grabbing my notebook, and then having that feeling from D.C., just that fucking terrified feeling, just take over my entire existence. And I left. I left. I did that more than once, at least six times. It might have been more, to be honest with you. I, I can't, I, so many times I went, sat in a parking lot, watched people walk into the venue or to go to the mic or whatever. And I just fucking left, dude. I was just fucking scared. I was just absolutely fucking terrified. And then one day it was like, it was a place called Spanky's. I went there to watch one day. I was like, okay. You don't have to do stand-up tonight, but at least go in and watch this shit for about an hour or so. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Went in, shitty dive bar, you know, but the people who were there seemed to be getting along. Not that the comedy was that great or whatever, but at least the camaraderie seemed to be pretty good. So... After watching that for a week, it was kind of the same thing as the Vietnamese restaurants. Like next week, went back, put my name on that fucking list and went up. And same thing, looked at my feet, rushed through my jokes. I think he got five minutes. I might've done two and a half. And, uh, but watching people not do well the week before was like, okay, this is all part of it. And even if I rush through my jokes and I don't do my five minutes, it don't matter. I did it. And I'll sit back down, didn't talk to anybody, came back the next week, did the same thing, went there, signed up, didn't talk to nobody, didn't talk to anybody, looked at my feet, rushed through my jokes, sat back down, watched some more, left. Week after that, went back, put my name on the list, didn't talk to anybody, fucking looked at my feet, rushed through my jokes, and then sat back down, you know? And then I think after, after a few times of doing that, 
you start to get a little bit more comfortable and then people, you know, people start talking to you. They go, Hey, how are you? And I go, Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. How are you? Oh, you, I see you keep coming here. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to figure out this comedy shit, you know? And, uh, and then it was, then it just became everything, you know, it became like, Oh, you have to, you have to do this every week. Like, this is like, oh, this is the best. And then you start making friends, and then you get to see your friends on Tuesdays, and that's fun. And then I'm doing it for a few months, and i am just become obsessed with it, you know? And that's when I quit the radio job, too. I had a full-time radio job. I was a salaried employee, but I was like, I don't think I, don't think I can do comedy and have this full-time job for some reason. I didn't like the job. It was just an office job. I was still working in radio, but it just became an office job. I don't know why I just fucking... Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who are just listening, y'all just missed a little something. But if you're watching, you know what the fuck happened. I don't know why I just did that. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so I quit the radio job in May and was just like, I'm just going to go balls out to comedy and figure it out and fucking, you know, spend every dime I have to to try and figure out how to get good at this and just keep going up and uh, keep getting more comfortable and then traveling. And that was the thing. You just look around and even people who were funny, it was like, why? As funny as this person is, why are they here on a Tuesday and not somewhere else doing something more with themselves, you know? And not trying to be like shitty or anything like that, but it's like, why? And it's because they didn't they didn't commit. They couldn't jump in with both feet for whatever reason. They got kids or they got the full-time job or they got, you know, whatever it is, which I didn't have any of that. And I still don't, but I just realized, I was like, oh, that's, you have to really, really dive into this shit if you want to do it, you know? So that's what I did. Just dove in head first and was like, I'm going to figure out how to make this work to some degree, you know? And let's be honest, people. I'm still just a fucking middle act feature for the most part. You know what I mean? Most of the gigs I got on my calendar for, the, for most of last year, the end of last year, and most of this year are because of my buddy Aaron taking me on the road with him. And I'm getting my own shit here and there in between. I always have gotten some of my own shit here and there in between. But like, you know, I'm still just a middle act. So it's like as far as making it or whatever it is, you know. Uh, I don't know if I'm there yet or whatever. But it don't really matter, you know. It's also... Yeah, so I'm just I'm I'm just trying to point out the fact that I'm still just a fucking nobody in this game for the most part. You know, it is what it is, but I know where I'm at and I know who I am and I'm a middle act right now. I'm a fucking feature act, all right? I know where I'm at, but I I'd, I'd rather do that than fucking work at that fucking cubicle radio station, you know what I mean? And also, it's you I noticed that people don't commit to the thing that they want to do. And also they want to wait around for somebody else to help them, you know? And with me, it was like, I'm going to commit to this and I'm going to do my own shit. 
I'm not going to wait for somebody to go, oh, you want to come on the road with me? I'm going to fucking get on the road myself. I'm going to book my own tours. I'm going to buy a van so I can go anywhere and everywhere in the country and do comedy because everybody wants to. Everyone go, oh, man, I'd love to go to San Diego and do comedy. Well, fucking go do it then. You know what I mean? Quit waiting for the invite and go fucking do it if that's something that you want to fucking do. You know what I mean? People want to, oh, I hope somebody gives me a special one day. Put out your own shit. That's exactly what I did, you know? Fucking film the thing in Atlanta and put it out. You don't need other people to approve of your fucking life and what you do in order to put it out to the people, you know? So that's, I just took a complete opposite direction to comedy. And now things are, things seem to be in a pretty good place, you know? I don't want to be a middle act forever. I don't want to be doing clean comedy in the in, in a middle act forever, but I love it. I love where I'm at right now. I'm having a lot of fun. I like hanging out with Aaron. I like that he makes me flex. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't make me do it. He offered me. He's not making me do clean comedy, you know? If I don't want to do it, I don't have to. I don't have to work with him. He offered me an opportunity to flex a muscle that I don't usually flex, and but I know I have it. So it's fun to go out there and flex it, you know? But I don't have to do it. I don't have to do it at all, you know? But then you look at, I look at all my other friends and people around me who don't, you know, oh, I can't do clean comedy. Bullshit. Bullshit. You're just, you're fucking lazy and you're scared. You're fucking scared. That's what it is. You don't believe in yourself. It's not that you can't do it. It's that you don't fucking believe in yourself, you know? Especially, that's the funniest thing, dude. I want to spit in people's faces when they tell me. When they tell me they can't do clean comedy. Y'all know who I am. How many times have I said fuck on this podcast already? You know what I mean? I talked about butt cheeks up top. How many filthy things do I talk about on this podcast week after week? You know what I mean? How many filthy jokes do I have? Most of them. You know? So when people go, I can't do clean comedy, it's like, bullshit. You're a fucking pussy and a coward. You can You don't believe in yourself. That's what it is. It's not that you can't do clean comedy. It's that you don't fucking believe in yourself and you don't think you got what it takes or whatever it is. Or you don't want to. Or you're lazy. You got every excuse in the world, but it's not that you can't do it, you know? When people say that shit to me, it's like, all right, that just tells me everything I need to know about uh, them. You know what I mean? And that's my friend saying that shit. But I already knew those people were lazy and fucking, you know. I get not wanting to do it. You could just say that. Go, I don't want to do that. And go, okay, that's fine. I understand that. But to go, I can't do something. Dude, you're just fucking lazy. That's all it is. That's all it is. Especially when it comes to comedy and clean comedy. If you say that shit to me, dog, I can't do it. Go fuck yourself. You're lazy. That's all it is. You're lazy and you're afraid. Just say that instead. Just say that instead. Admit that you're a coward. Admit it. And then maybe you can move forward. But just going, I can't do it. Oh, I can't do that. And so, oh, I don't think that way. It's like, dude, look who you're talking to. All right? Look who the fuck you're talking to. 
before you start saying stupid fucking shit. But, you know, anyway, things seem to be in a good place right now. But it's always been, I've always gone ahead. I just dive into everything, man. That's like playing online poker. It was like, I'm just going to do this all fucking night instead of going to school because I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of that. And I'm definitely not making any money there. At least I'm making a little bit of money playing poker. And it's a lot of fun. And then radio, it was like, okay, I'm just going to dive into this shit too. I love this, so I'm just going to commit to it. And, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm I'm working at my favorite radio station for my favorite radio show that I've ever listened to, you know. And it ended poorly. Or not that it ended poorly, but, you know, you see the other side of things or whatever, and you learn about people, and you go, ah, this wasn't the best of things to be involved in. But uh, whatever it is in life, I think you just got to commit. You got to commit to it. And that's the thing. People go, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. It's like, you can. You got to figure You got to figure it out. It's only going to make you better. You know? So that's how I got into comedy, people. Just committing to the shit. Whatever it is. Whatever it is in life that you want to do, you just got to dive in. And I get that it's hard and you might have responsibilities and... uh you know, family, kids, all this and that shit, which that might make things a little bit different. But hey, maybe you should have dove into something before you fucking <laughs> before you threw your life away. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you have the means and you have the time, even if you don't have the time, make the fucking time. Nobody has time for anything. It goes by so goddamn quick. But, you know, just committing to the shit. And it's been a great journey since then. I've had so much fun. I've had a lot of ups and downs with this comedy shit, man. Ten years it's been. And I'm a fucking middle act for my buddy who started after me. <laughs> Motherfucker started three years after me and I'm opening for him. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I get it. I fucking get it. I know who I am. I know where... Uh, I know I'm in the position I'm in, but I don't mind doing shit for myself either. That's always the thing. I don't mind it. I know that the industry has no, uh, no plan for me, no direction for me. That's totally fine. I don't need their approval. I don't need people who aren't funny to tell me that I'm funny and that I'm good enough. You know what I mean? That's what the audience is for. That's what you guys are for. You know what I mean? That's what, that's, I don't need. I don't need a Netflix 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 executive to tell me that I'm worth something. You know? I don't need Comedy Central to come knocking on my door. It'd be nice just for the paycheck. It would be nice for the paycheck. But I don't need their approval to know that I'm funny and that I'm worth a damn at comedy. You know? I get that from the people when they're laughing. And, you know, I feel it and I see it. And I put out my own shit and there's a good response to it. So that's what it's, that's, that's all I need. You know, I don't need their fucking approval to go, Oh, we got something for you. It's like, Oh, neat. Great. I'm glad I can finally feel good about myself because some asshole in a suit finally said I'm good enough for something. Fuck you. I'll do it on my own. 
don't need your shit. Don't need you to put me in some box. So it's like, oh, we gotta, you gotta be the, you'll be the high comedy guy. You know what I mean? You'll be the guy that does this and that. And it's like, ah, they got no fucking, you know, there's no market for me in their eyes. Cause that's what they think. And they think in markets and numbers and, you know, as, uh, as progressive as Hollywood would like to make you think they are, they're not people. They're not. They're like, oh, we're open. We're progressive. We don't, we look at people like individuals. It's like, no, you don't. You look at them like they're markets. That's what they look at them like. They sell you a bunch of bullshit every fucking day, people. But anyway, commit to life. The, the, <laughs> uh, if you commit to the universe, if you commit to anything, I think, uh, I think the world will lift you up, man, if you dive in both feet. And again, I'm a nobody. I'm a middle act for my buddy who started after I did. Uh, but it is what it is. I'm happy to be where I'm at right now. And it's been a very long, interesting journey. And uh, I've had a lot of fun to get to this point. So there's the podcast for you on the Monday, people. There's a little bit of podcast for you. All right. Hope we had a little bit of fun. Hope this was an interesting journey for you. I hope you're doing great things in your life. And I hope you're not taking any bullshit from anybody. Because you don't need to. I'll be in St. Louis this weekend, my friends. Opening for Aaron Weber. Helium Comedy Club, 17th and the 18th. And I'm headlining the Funny Bone, the 19th in St. Louis. I'll be in Chattanooga the 24th. And then I got Syracuse at the end of the month. More shows coming up. Austin next month. All that shit. JoeKellyComedy.com. We'll have all your upcoming dates, all right? Hey, Hope we had a little bit of fun this Monday. All right, do me a favor. Take care of yourself. Take care of somebody else. I'll catch you around real fucking soon, man. Next week. I'll see you next week, all right? Later.